Great team win for the San Francisco Giants last night as they shut out the Dodgers 5 to nothing. They hit, they pitched, they played good defense, and hey, even the manager, who I was critical of on Saturday, managed what I thought was a heck of a game as the Giants beat LA. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked on Giants, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube. So check us out there if you have not already, and hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And where we get started, I mean, is with the fact that the Giants came back after a 9-1 to drubbing at the hands of the Dodgers in the first game of the series. Giants come back and play perhaps their best overall game of the season in which, like I said, they hit, they pitched, they defended, and the manager pulled the right strings. And I mean, where I want to kind of start is the is the decisions that Gabe Kapler had to make and how they were not easy decisions, but that they were the right ones. And in some cases, some people are going to disagree that they were the right decisions. And to set the stage, the Giants scored a couple early runs in this game. They got off to a two to nothing lead thanks to Jock Peterson hitting a two run uh, double, I believe it was in the first inning and Alex Wood was on the mound for the Giants and he didn't have his best command but he had only allowed one hit and no runs but he had walked three and he had hit two batters and he was in the fifth inning with two outs and so Mike Kruko on the broadcast you know old school obviously right he played in a much I don't want to call him old, but he played a long time ago when these things mattered. Getting the pitcher a win, right? The pitcher getting him a win. Not the team getting a win, but the pitcher. And so pitchers do care about this. And getting you have to go through five innings to qualify for that win. And so it wasn't an easy decision to pull Alex Wood with two outs in the fourth inning with a two to nothing lead. But there were two guys on, runners on second and third with two outs, and they had Jacob Junis ready in the bullpen. And for the Dodgers, it was Will Smith coming up to the plate. And so I'm going to make the case that it was an easy decision to pull Alex Wood, despite the fact that it meant he was going to leave the game with no runs allowed, although the two runners on base were his responsibility, and being one out away from qualifying for that win. Why? Because Alex Wood... A, he's a left-handed pitcher, and Will Smith is a very good right-handed hitter. So platoon advantage goes to the Dodgers there. B, it's the third time through the order for Alex Wood, which has been a problem for him, and he had allowed two base runners already in the inning. And 
see, I mean, that's basically it. That's basically it. And so it's time to go get your righty there regardless. Like, I understand that pitchers care about getting that W for themselves, but this is the team win is so much more important. And the quicker we can just get pitchers to get over it, like I honestly, this is a hot take perhaps, what would be in favor of just getting rid of assigning a, a particular pitcher the win or the loss in a game. It used to matter. Like it used to be like that was created so that people could have a clue as to what happened in the game. But these days we have so many numbers that we can evaluate players. Teams do not give one thought to a pitcher's record when they're evaluating them anymore. It's only really the fans and particularly, you know, an older generation that it to them it was huge. But to us, I mean, to, in this day and age, it, it really should mean nothing. And so pulling him was easily the right call. Uh, Jacob Junis then faces Will Smith and Will Smith hits a rocket to right field. So it's like, you know, it's not there's no guarantee that that he's going to even get him out and if he gives up a hit then it's really easy to second guess and this is what i mean when i say that managing is hard and and you're going to get criticized if the bullpen doesn't do its job but when the bullpen you got to judge the decision prior to the result to the results and in the long run this is a move that just is the right move and so it it did work out this time uh for all we know, Smith could have hit a three-run homer against Wood. He could have hit a single, tied the game. Uh, but they go to Junis and and they get out of it. And then later in the game, another excellent decision. And I'm not. I don't just want to make this about Kapler. It's about the players doing the job too. Like Wood just kind of doing his job, getting them through four and two thirds. Junis doing his job, getting Will Smith out. And then later in the game. Junis is continuing to pitch, but he ends up loading the bases with nobody out. And then there's a uh, righty on the mound uh, with a lefty up next, and they stick with Junis, and he gets a strikeout. I believe it was Chris Taylor. He got him to strike out. And so then with a lefty, Outman, coming up, and you've got Scott Alexander in the pen, it's the perfect guy to go to in that spot because Scott Alexander he throws strikes. You don't want someone who's going to walk a guy with the bases loaded and a one-out situation at that point. And he's also just an insane ground ball machine. I mean, Scott Alexander, I am not exaggerating. Uh, career ground ball rate of 70.5%. When the ball is put in play, it's on the ground 70% of the time. Uh, league average is about 40, 42. So, almost double the rate of the average pitcher in terms of just getting ground balls. And sure enough, so they so get, Kapler goes to him at exactly the right time, but also the player came through. Alexander threw strikes. Uh, he got just a weak little ground ball out in front of the plate, and he charged it, barehanded it, and flipped it home to Blake Sable for the force out. And at some point, I don't remember if it was to Outman or to the next hitter, there was just an incredible block by Blake Sable. Uh, again, it's a 2 nothing game at that point. And, you know, a ball that goes to the backstop certainly scores a run and puts you in a position to, you know, where a single would then put you behind. And so it was a great block, a very difficult block by Sable, who's not even like a natural catcher, right? So it really impressive there. And then uh, Scott Alexander ends up striking out the next hitter. So just incredible job by the bullpen. And then John Brebbia 
Tyler Rogers and Camilo Duvall, who was again a little bit shaky and had a pitch clock violation, but by that point it was five to nothing Giants, and so the stress was off a little bit. But if you're going to criticize Gabe Kapler, you've also got to give him credit when he pulls the right strings, and I think more often than not, he does. And this was a great example. I don't think really you could have managed the pen better than it was managed last night. That's my opinion about it. So coming up in just a minute, more about the offense in this game, and we're also going to get into the Giants' defense. Has it been a problem this year? The answer is no. We'll get into the eye test and the numbers to back it up in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by none other than FanDuel. Grand slams, no-hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. I'm looking right now at some of the odds. How about this? The disrespect. The Giants' heavy underdogs at home against the Dodgers. I get it. There's a ton of talent on the Dodgers. But as we saw last night, the Giants are capable of winning a game. And tonight with Alex Cobb on the mound for the Giants, Clayton Kershaw, still good, but not the same as he once was. And the Giants have some dangerous righties. We saw David Villar go deep last night. J.D. Davis has been red hot. He'll be in there. And so I'm kind of liking the Giants tonight being underdogs at plus 138 and even to cover the spread uh, at minus 128, one and a half runs with the spread there. And so you can check that out and so much more over at FanDuel and don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, as promised, more to get into about this game last night, the Giants with a big win. It you know, it feels important, especially against your arch rivals who beat you up the previous day and just completely destroyed you in 2022 all season long. Kind of almost single-handedly kept the Giants out of the playoffs. Like if they had played halfway decent against the Dodgers and Padres last year, the Giants probably would have made the postseason. And so, important, although there are fewer division intra-division games this year, down from 19 in previous years to 13 this year. So the Dodgers are in town now. They literally do not come back to San Francisco until the final series of the season. And so it's crazy. I mean, that's the new schedule. So overall, I just want to mention the Giants are five and six. They have outscored their opponents by two runs, which usually you know, technically speaking, when you've scored more runs than your opponents, you typically win more than you lose. And so, you know, I, I say I kind of blame the one. I think the the winnable game was the game in which they had a five to one lead in the seventh inning against the Kansas City Royals. That is a game that you should win. You know, I don't want to say 99 out of 100 times, but close to it. I mean, literally, I, I was looking at the live kind of probabilities of of a win in that game and the Giants were in the mid 90s. And so really, that's a game they they let slip away. They really ought to be six and five at this point, but they're not. Reality is they're not. But speaking of records, I just want to calm everyone down. You know, even if the Giants had lost last night and fallen to four and seven, which sounds pretty ugly, you look around the league, the Cardinals are four and seven. And if you don't know, everybody picked the Cardinals to win the National League Central this year. And so they're not the only example. The 
Pirates are seven and four, and the Pirates are going to finish probably in last place. The Cardinals very well may win the division. The Philadelphia Phillies are four and seven. They went to the World Series last year. No person alive picked the Phillies to finish, you know, behind the Giants in any kind of preseason prediction. And of course, I'm not saying they will based on their four and seven record. I'm just saying a handful of baseball games, two handsful approximately, is not enough to make a determination about a team. The A's are two and nine. That checks out. The how about the Mariners? Man, preseason rankings. I really did a show about kind of ranking teams in the preseason. And I thought that the Giants belonged ahead of a lot of teams that other people had ahead of the Giants. I wouldn't say that I would put the Mariners in that category, but people having the Mariners just as a clear top 10 team, I just don't really see it that way. And they're four and eight. Astros are five and seven, and they won the World Series last year and are a very good team. The, uh, I don't know, the, the Rays are 11 and 0. That's insane. So anyway, it's obviously just Dodgers are only six and six. It's just too early to make any grand declarations. And right now we're just going game to game and trying to win them. And so the Giants did that last night and they played good defense and they hit well enough. And for the longest time, they didn't have a lot of strikeouts in this game. But then in one inning late in the game, one of the relievers struck out the side. And so they were, they, I think they had four strikeouts late in the game and then they ended up with seven, but, uh, just up and down the lineup, you've got guys who have good overall offensive performance on the season in different ways. Like Lamont Wade Jr., the hits necessarily haven't been there, but he's getting on base a ton. Just look at that on-base percentage. If you're watching the game tonight, it'll show the average on-base and slugging. Look at the on-base percentage and recognize league average is like, I, I don't know what it is this year. I don't have it pulled up. But last year and in normal years, it's like 315 or so. Might be like 320, 310, somewhere in that range. And he's at like almost 500 with his on-base percentage. Michael Conforto, two more walks. Umpire totally, speaking of strikeouts, I mean, there was a horrible call on Conforto for a strikeout. So it's not always their fault. Like he really shouldn't have struck out in that plate appearance. J.D. Davis has kind of been a monster, although he was 0 for 4 last night. Jock Peterson, big hit there in the first inning to drive in a couple runs, uh, early that's what you know take a lead early it makes a big difference Yastrzemski had a couple hits and David VR hit his first home run ever at Oracle Park so this guy has done nothing but kind of hit home runs in his professional career including in the major leagues I mean David VR let's talk about him for a second he now for the season this is where again same exact kind of story as last year David VR has a career batting average of 232. This year right now it's 235. Last year it was 231. What does that tell you? Does it mean he's a below average hitter? Not at all. He's been about 30% above average as a hitter in Major League Baseball. Why? Because he's walked a lot. So he's got a robust 338 on base percentage. What did I just say? League average around 315. He's at 338. So he's getting on base way more than average, despite a lower batting average than average. And the power has has translated thus far. He's got three home runs already this season. He hit nine last year in only 52 games. So he's played 63 major league games, which is, you know, it's not 
one third of a full season, but it's less than it's more than less than half of a season. Okay, let me just start over. He's got 12 home runs in 63 games. So let's just say it was 126 games. That would translate to 24 home runs in 126 games. And so the power plays. I mean, it's just working out in terms of him getting to the power. He, you know, the strikeout rate this year has come down a little bit so far uh, compared to where it was last year. It's only at 26.8%, which is very doable and a walk rate of 12.2%. So, and defensively, we'll talk about defense in a little bit, but defensively, David VR has done a nice job and he's, he's covered at second base too. So, the ability to play third and second. And if he just hits, I'm bullish and optimistic. I think it's too early to get too excited about David VR, but all he's done is hit everywhere he goes. And then he's been a solid defender as well this year. So he hit a a home run last night, uh, gave the Giants some cushion, and then Brandon Crawford followed it up on the very next pitch with another home run. And this is a good pitcher. Mind you, you know, a lot of the narrative early in the season is I'm talking people off the ledge when they're saying home runs are not good because you can't rely on them against good pitching. Well, the the Dodgers have some pretty good pitching and you know, the Giants hit a couple home runs against a really good pitcher last night. So that's kind of a false narrative. Uh, I think I would say it's harder to string a bunch of hits together against good pitching than it is to just run into one. And so if you find yourself on base a lot because you walk a lot and you sometimes get your hits mixed in there and you're a team that's a threat to go deep at any spot in your lineup, that's a good thing. And as a result, the Giants overall have been an above average offensive team this season. And so anyway, it was just a great game all around the Giants you know they they didn't score any runs between the first inning and the eighth inning and only had seven total hits but the Dodgers are a good team Dustin May was not at his best uh, he was not sharp he was the Giants were making him work they he, they were taking pitches that weren't in the strike zone and that's kind of what's going to define this team if they're going to have success especially just being super patient and then when they get pitches in the in the zone punishing them and just a Overall, the Giants did everything they needed to do last night, including play defense. Defense was such a problem in 2022. Has it been a problem this year? No, it has not. The eye test and the numbers back it up, and we'll discuss it in just a minute, get into all the numbers. Uh, But before we do, this episode is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. This is the best game that I've played in a long time. Uh, I've always thought, that I could be a major league GM. I, it was a dream of mine for the longest time. I've since given up on that dream. I love what I do now, but hey, I still want to see if I can do it and put those skills to the test. And in this game, Ultimate Baseball GM, you're able to do so, and it is not as easy as you might think. And I love that because I don't want to just have it handed to me. I want to prove my worth. And we've been competing with, you know, among locked on hosts and several hosts have gotten fired from their roles as GM. And so this game will, uh, be tough on you if you're not doing a good job. You've really got to stay on top of it. Hiring the right coaches and staff, managing team finances, scouting and drafting players, 
managing personalities, team chemistry, injuries, just navigating your franchise through free agency and all the ups and downs of a season. Locked on Giants listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com, ultimate baseball GM, start your dynasty today. All right, here we go. We're going to talk about the Giants' defense, it, uh, the bugaboo. And so far, it's looking like I was correct. But it's only been, what, 11 games. So it's too early. I'm not going to do a victory lap at this point. I would say it took quite a while last year for us to kind of realize that the defense was a problem. That's the thing about baseball. I'll just throw this out there and I'll keep saying it periodically that typically it's about 45 games into a season when you can kind of get a really good, when you can give your first real hard analysis of what your team is. Uh, so we're 11 games in, we're obviously not there, but so far defensively, it just hasn't been a problem. And when I say I was right and I'm going to do a victory lap, not yet, I am not declaring victory yet. I kept saying, I just think the Giants can be at least a decent defensive team. And what have we seen this year? Forget the numbers for a minute. I know some people are bothered when I just use numbers all the time, but I'm watching every single game for decades. You know, I'm watching the games and looking at the numbers. It's fine to do both. And what are they, what are our eyes telling us? Has the defense been a problem? Have they been a perfect defensive team? No. But has the defense been an issue? It has not. They have done the job. Michael Conforto, by the way, made several really nice plays in right field yesterday. And Tyro Estrada, like falling over, a line drive was hit so hard, a ground ball line drive, bounced once, and it ate him up. And he, he ended up on his backside, and he threw the guy out from his backside, like deep at second base. And that was a really nice defensive play. J.D. Davis has made good defensive plays. As I said, David Villar has made good defensive plays. Yastrzemski lost one ball in the sun in New York. There was one other kind of sliding play where I didn't think he had a great jump and it he didn't make the catch. But like, like I said, you're not going to be perfect and make every single play. But for the most part, the defense hasn't been a problem and I'm simply talking about the eye test at this moment. And so now let's move past the eye test and see what the numbers have to say. Well, there's StatCast outs above average. This is literally looking at like, you know, StatCast is like this camera system uses, what does it use now? Radar? I don't even know. It, it's very high tech stuff, very high tech. And it's like looking at where did you start? Where did the ball end up? How much distance was there between you and where it ended up and how much time happened between when it was hit and when it got there? And it like they've created this ability to measure like an estimated success rate on a play like that. And I mean, on a ground ball, I, I honestly don't know exactly how they do it, but I know that there's been a lot of thought put into it and that it's it's a solid uh, way to evaluate defense, which is hard to do. I mean, fielding percentage. If you have ever heard me say this before, I apologize, but I'm going to say it again. Fielding percentage is just a dreadfully poor way to evaluate a defense. And yet all the time, 
on broadcasts and whatever, you'll hear people say the Giants are X, you know, 15th in team defense. And they're talking about fielding percentage. Look, errors matter. And if you're just clanking balls that you should be catching, that matters. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it, it says nothing about range, which is so important. So anyway, that's why we have to use, if we're going to use some numbers, they've got to be better than fielding percentage. And that's where outs above average, defensive runs saved, and all that comes into play. And for the Giants, they rank 11th right now with plus one out above average, but, you know, tied with a bunch of, you know, plus one. The team that's eighth also has plus one. The team that's seventh has plus two. And so basically they're not at the bottom, which is where they found themselves last year. Right now, the Rockies come in last at minus 10 outs above average. Again, the Giants at plus one. And then by defensive runs saved, the Giants find themselves uh, with plus four defensive runs saved, which ranks seventh in the major leagues. Plus four. Last year, I believe by defensive runs saved, the Giants were dead last. By outs above average, they were like 28th. But Again, it's early. I I honestly don't know how many games it really takes for this kind of thing to stabilize, but let's look at some individual players, see if it lines up with what we're saying. Mike Yastrzemski, plus three defensive run save. Tyro Estrada, plus two. This was a guy who I was going on and on about in the offseason. You know, defensive run save didn't like Tyro Estrada last year, and I'm just saying I see no reason why Tyro Estrada can't be a good defender. And so far, has he been a problem at all? No, I think maybe there was one play he mishandled, but otherwise has been rock solid there. Athletic. I just like his all-around game a lot. David VR, plus one defensive run save. J.D. Davis, plus one. Uh, that plus three for Yaz, by the way, is in center, and he's got another plus one in right field. And so looking for any kind of negative numbers here in defensive run saved, we find Brandon Crawford with minus two. And... Yeah, I mean he did have he did clank a couple of balls that were gettable. Tyro Estrada has minus one at shortstop. I don't want to just go too deep into the weeds here, but suffice it to say, uh the Giants defense has not been a problem thus far. If there's been a problem, it's been inconsistent offense, strikeouts, certainly. We talked at length about the early season trends for the Giants on yesterday's show. Offensively, it's the it's been inconsistency and strikeouts. And in terms of run prevention, it has not been defense. It's been allowing homers. And I'm very confident that they're not going to continue to allow as many homers as they have. And so that's a good sign, I would say. So if they can keep playing solid defense, then I like their chances. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen. Now for your second listen, check out Locked on Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy strategies. Find Locked on Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thanks in advance and thank you to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Breaking down the important rubber match of this three-game series with the Dodgers. If the Giants win, back to 500. If they lose, another series loss at home. So a lot kind of hinging on this game from a morale perspective. Last game of the homestand, too. So thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.